I'm going to read for you a few scriptures here. I want to read for you familiar scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm going to read two verses for you tonight, and I'll have you be seated. I'll read more verses tonight, but I'll start here. 1 Samuel 17, 28, 29. Amen. What an amazing music team tonight. Singers and worshipers. You guys sound good. Y'all should, should make an album. First Samuel 17, 28, 29, when you have it, just say, I got it. And Eliab, his eldest brother, this is David's eldest brother, the first one God rejected. Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, he said why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle somebody say see the battle and David said what have I now done is there not a cause is there not the cause. Tonight, I want to preach to you for just a, just a few moments tonight. And I want to ask that question that David asked on that fateful day. Is there not a cause? Can we pray together tonight? Lord, we love you so much and we're so thankful to be in your house and to be among your people. We feel your presence. We feel your power. I ask now, Lord, that we've worshipped you and we've lifted up your mighty name and we've prepared the ground for a seed, for a word. I pray now, Lord, that you would plant a seed in us tonight. And I pray that tonight this word would grow us and mature us and teach us and encourage us. And we'll be so careful, Lord, to not be hearers of the word only, but doers of the word also. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory. Would you lift your voice now? Would you shout in Jesus' name? Come on, shout it one more time in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated in his presence. Is there not a cause? If you don't understand what that statement means, let me uh, make it a little more simple for you tonight. What David was saying on that day is, is there not a reason? Isn't there a reason that I should do this? Isn't there a reason that I should be here? Is there not a cause? Is it not worth something to you? There are many causes in today's world. We live in a society that really is uh, cause-based. There's so many causes. If you want to uh, get involved in a cause today, all you need to do is get on Google and just do a quick search, and you can get behind a cause that's going to save the whales or save the eagles or, or save the, the, the tuna in the sea. Or There's a cause for everything. There's people who are trying to save all the frogs and because... The frogs eat the mosquitoes, and if we if we if the frogs die, we all die. <laughs> and there's causes of all shapes and sizes today. It is it, it's really not uh, hard to find a cause. There's there's causes that are uh, worthy of our time, 
and then there are causes that are neither here nor there. Uh, if we get involved, we do great for you. But if you don't get involved, that's fine. Great for you too. But this cause in the scripture tonight is, is more than saving the wells and, 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 and more than making sure that the, the uh, icebergs in Antarctica are not melting. There, there is a cause here that David is specifically talking about. And that cause for David is this man. We know that this man was Goliath who had come to uh, instill fear in the hearts of God's people. He knew that that cause was bigger than him and bigger than his brother and, and bigger than his father and bigger than everything else around him. He knew that there was a cause. There's a reason I should be here right now. There, there is a reason that somebody should do something about this. Nobody had taken up this cause. The Bible tells us that the battle had already been an array. Now, I don't have time to read all that tonight, but if you go back a few verses, you'll know that the battle is already started. The Bible says that these men are fighting every day. They are fighting every day. But at a certain time of the day, as they're fighting, the giant Goliath comes out, begins to talk his trash, and the men of Israel will leave the fight and go hide from the from the giant. They're not afraid to fight regular people. They're afraid to fight nine foot tall people. There, there's no part in this story, and I've heard it preached before, but let me set the record straight. There's no cowardice in these men that David are talking to. These are not cowards who are afraid of a fight. These are men of understanding. They're afraid to fight something they've never seen before. They're, they're, they don't mind fighting a regular man on a battlefield. You, you have to be brave to put a sword in your hand and go traipsing off into a valley and fight men with swords in their hands. That's, that's bravery. That, that takes skill. That takes tactic. You have to know what you're doing. But when this giant comes out, they're like, we don't know what to do here. This is terrifying. We, we, we are brave, uh, but, but, but this is unknown to us. I'll, I'll go fight a hundred men who look like me, but I don't know if I can fight a man who's twice my size, whose, whose sword is too heavy for a regular person to even carry, who, who's so big he has to have a whole other person carry his shield. I don't know if I can see, and, the, and, and, and it's, it's too big for those men. For those men, this thing is too big for them. Uh, but for David, his perspective is different. D David is not worried about how big he is. David can only hear what he's saying. Amen. D David has a different kind of spirit in him that nobody else on the battlefield seems to have. David is not looking. He's listening. Amen. You, we have to be very careful that our eyes don't deceive our ears. Amen. We have to be very careful as children of God that, that we don't let our eyes get in the way of what we hear. Listen, there's a lot of people that won't listen to sound doctrine because of what they see in the culture, what they see in their high schools, 
what they see in their college campuses. They've heard the word, but what they see causes the trouble. Oh, come on, somebody. It's I, I know what's right and I know what's wrong, but when I see my friends doing it and I see my friend over here, he's a great guy, and, 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 and I see them over there, they're good people, and I, I see them over there. What, what I see causes me to flee. But David was only listening. David didn't care what he looked like. David didn't care how big he was. David didn't care how powerful he was. David didn't care how strong he was. David only cared that he was talking about God and God's people. There was a cause. There's a reason for me to fight this guy. There's a reason. I don't care how big he is. Listen, in your Bible, this is Samuel writing this book. This is 1 Samuel. This is Samuel writing. When Samuel first writes about Goliath, the first thing he says is, and his stature was. That's the first thing that Samuel writes. The first thing that Samuel sees when he sees Goliath is how big he is. But when David sees him, this is what David says. David says, David says, what shall be done to this uncircumcised Philistine? When Samuel saw him, the first physical attribute that Samuel gave him was he's big. When David saw him, David said, the first thing I notice about him is he's not in covenant. He's not circumcised. He's not on the Lord's side. When, 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 when everybody else saw him, they saw how big he was. But when David saw him, he saw how weak he was. David said, I'm in covenant. He ain't in covenant. If me and him ever tussle, if me and him ever fight, I'm winning guaranteed because the Lord is on my side. And the, the giant said, I come to you with spear and sword. But David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And David was never called to fight Goliath. Now here's where I'm, I'm going to get into my word here for just a little bit. David, this, this great historical biblical moment that is probably the most preached about, the most talked about, the most taught about, singular moment in the Bible outside of the cross is David and Goliath. God never called him to do it. God never spoke to him and said, David, you need to go kill that giant. No, when that oil was poured on his head, we all know why the oil was poured on his head. The oil was poured on his head for him to be king over all of Israel. The oil had no giant in it. Well, y'all don't matter talking about it. Oh my God. The, 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 the oil had no fight in it. There, there was no part of his calling that said you'll be a giant killer. David didn't have to fight the giant because he wasn't called to it. He could have said, y'all, my calling is to be king. Y'all need to handle this. I'm going, I'm going to the house. That's, that's not my lane. That's how we say it today in today's society. That's not my lane. That's not my calling. But David 
didn't care about the call. He cared about the cause. Because the cause was greater than the call. Yes. And I know that may not go over very well tonight. But I'm going to preach to you for this a little while. Because there's so many young people in this generation sitting around waiting for a call when there's causes all around them. I'm going to preach here for just a little while because we've raised a generation that are waiting to hear a call but they cannot see a cause if it stopped them in the face. They're waiting, sitting around, waiting for God to speak, for the angel to come down. They're waiting for the burning bush. They're waiting for the call but they are missing the cause. Is there not a cause? You may say, well, pastor, I see the cause, but I don't have a call. Can I preach to you today? You do not need a call to go handle a cause. Uh, I want to encourage somebody today. You may have heard your neighbor talk about when God came down. You may have heard some preacher talk about when they were sitting in their living room and Jesus came and sat down beside them and opened up a can of Coke and a bag of chips. You may have heard somebody at General Conference talk about how the angel came down from heaven and told me I'm going to this city and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And you're worried because it ain't happened to you like that. It hasn't happened in your life like that. But I came to tell you this tonight that God sent me to preach to you that you don't need that. You don't need it. There's a cause. There's a cause. There's a cause. There's a cause. I don't need a call if I have a cause. David, go home. This ain't your. Listen to what his brother said. His brother said, David, go home. This is not your lane. This is not your calling. You're to be a king, not a warrior. But David said, I know. I know what the oil said. But I know what my heart says. I know what the oil said. But I feel something in the Holy Ghost. I know what the oil said. The oil says king. But the cause says giant slayer. The oil says king over Judah. But but but. The cause says, I got to take care of this thing. The call says king of Israel, but the cause says giant killer. Man, I, I feel it in the Holy Ghost right now. Because some of y'all been sitting on go because you ain't heard nothing yet. Uh, you waiting. You got ministry in you. You got calling in you. You got gifting in you. God's given you talent and ability and you keep praying God speak to me when every day in your life there's a cause. There's a cause here. There's a cause there. There's a cause in front of you. You go to school with people who are causes. You work with people who are causes. But because God ain't said nothing yet, you're just waiting on God. God, I'm just waiting for that call. When I get the call, when I get the call, I'm going to do it. When I get the call, I'm going to go. When I get the call, I'm going to be a witness. When I get the call, I'm going to be a preacher. When I get the call, I'm going to teach Sunday school. When I get the call, I'm going to join the choir. When I get the call, but I come to preach to somebody tonight the cause is greater than the call uh, you see let me tell you a story let me tell you a story tonight about a man by the name of Nehemiah 
I've heard Nehemiah preach my whole life. Uh, there's so many moments in the book of Nehemiah that we can preach from. I mean, really, if you, if you can't preach from Nehemiah, you can't preach. You should stop. You should, you should, you should have a mime ministry. You should maybe do some dance ministry or something. If you can't preach from Nehemiah because the book is filled with so many great moments that God came through on. But I'm going to read for you a few scriptures about Nehemiah. Nehemiah writes the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. And it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the 20th year that I was in Shushan, the palace. And Hananiah, one of my brethren, came and he, he and certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that escaped and that were left of the captivity concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the providence are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thy eyes open that thou may hearest, hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of, children, of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and we have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commanded thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commanded thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and I will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in thy sight of this man. For I am, for I was the king's cupbearer. If you continue to read the book of Nehemiah, in the, in the second chapter, Nehemiah is putting wine in, 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 the, in the cup of the king of Assyria. And, and that king looks at him and says, why are you so sad? Why, you, you look sick. What's wrong with you? He said, he said oh, my Lord, I, I've heard about my hometown, Jerusalem. And I heard that the wall has been torn down and the gates have been burned. He said, he said will you let me go? Would, would you let me a cupbearer. Would you let me? All I do is just carry the cup. But, but king, would you let me go back and build that wall again? And the king says, yeah, go. And the book of Nehemiah is about a, a cupbearer. No, no, no great credentials. No great schooling. 
no, he, he, he has no pedigree. Look him up. He, he has no background in this. We don't even know if the man has ever even built a birdhouse. But he makes a covenant with the Lord and says, Lord, I'm going to go build that wall again. And they attack him and he builds the wall. And they try to tear him down and he builds the wall. Here's my problem with the book of Nehemiah. You can read it from front to back and you will never find a place where God says yes. Anybody want to hear from the preacher tonight? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But you can read that book to and fro. You can read it upside down. You can read it sideways. But there's no, there's no spot in that Bible, in that book of Nehemiah, where God spoke to Nehemiah and said, Nehemiah, go. God never said, okay. God never said, yes. God never spoke to Nehemiah. God never said one word to him. The only word that Nehemiah ever heard was in chapter 1 when his friends told him what Jerusalem looked like. And when he heard the cause, he did not need a call. Oh, ain't nobody with When Nehemiah heard what was going on back at home, he didn't need nobody else. He didn't need God to come down. He didn't need no angel. He didn't need no magic wand. When he heard that the wall was tore down, when he heard that the gates were burned, he said, whatever I got to do, I'm going back and I'm building that wall and I'm building that gate. I don't need nobody to tell me nothing. The only... The only authority he needed was the king's authority who was over him. But God never said one word. God never said yes. But he never said no either. Can I encourage a young person tonight? Why don't you do it until God says no? Why don't you go teach a Bible study until God says no? The only reason you won't teach one now is because God ain't said yes. You haven't heard a yes, and you're waiting for a yes. But sometimes, I got more stories. There's sometimes in this Bible that God doesn't say yes. God doesn't come down. God doesn't do all that. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes a woman says, you know what? I perceive that this is a man of God. Let's build a little room onto the house. I don't need God to speak to me. I don't need a yes. I know there's a cause. I don't need a yes because I know there's a cause. Sometimes there's a little boy who doesn't need a word from God, but he knows that God needs my lunch. I don't need him to call me. God never asked me for it. I just brought it because I know there was a cause. Who am I preaching to in this room tonight? You've been waiting. You've been stagnating. You got the Holy Ghost. You've been baptized. You've been filled. And you're ready to go. But you've been stagnating. Waiting for a call. When there's causes all around you. Who am I preaching to tonight? What, what young preachers in the room? You feel it, but you haven't heard it yet. What, 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 what P7 club is sitting in this room tonight? You've been waiting for God to call you. Hopefully, hopefully at NAYC. 
Hopefully at NAYC, God will say something. Hopefully, hopefully my pastor will see my giftings and my pastor will come and he'll tell me what I need to do. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. Hopefully somebody will give me a blueprint on what God wants to do with my life. Here's the problem. We keep sitting around asking, God, what is your will for my life? What's, what's your, what's your, what does God want me, what's my purpose? <laughs> Family members dying, going to hell. What's my purpose? Co-workers don't even know you go to church. What's my, what's your will for my life, Lord? Talk about it. Church needs volunteers. Lord, what do you want me to do? We need Sunday school teachers. I'm just wondering what the Lord, I'm just waiting for the Lord to speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. Pastor's telling people, we need nursery workers. I just wonder what God wants me to do. I wish the Lord would tell me what I need to do. Goliath's in the valley screaming out your name. And you're still standing around going, I don't, I don't hear that. Y'all hear it? mm 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 because you are, all you want to do is respond to the sensationalized version. You want to respond to a sensationalized version of God that isn't realistic. The realistic thing is when you see the cause, you go towards the cause. That's realistic. When I see a need, I feel a need. When there's something that needs to be done, I do the thing that needs to be done. When there's a hole that needs to be filled, I fill the hole. Why? Because the hole needed to be filled. Did God tell you to do it? No. I never heard God say a word. But there was a need. Need. And so I came and filled the need, my God. I'm almost finished. I'm, I, I really am. Because from here, all I can really do is meddle. The only way forward in this kind of message from here on is just to meddle. And I'll, I'll do that for a little while. I'll meddle for a little bit. Some of y'all don't know what meddling is. But I'll meddle for just a little while. Because the problem is that some of y'all, if you can't get a name badge, you don't want to do it. If you can't have a desk, you ain't showing up. If you don't get a, if you don't get a business card, I'm, I'm not interested. That's, that's meddling. That's what meddling is. is Look that up in the Bible. The problem is, is that the reason that causes are left by the wayside and callings are picked up and taken is because when you pick up a calling, a lot of people don't know about it. When you pick up a cause, a lot of people don't know about it. When you pick up a calling, everybody knows. You want to tell the story. That's what you want to do. You want to tell the story. You want to be like, hey, man, God, God came down. He was in a white robe, had some nice sandals on. <laughs> Crazy thing is, he wasn't white. That was weird. <laughs> My man had a tan. I was, I was not ready for that. Had dark eyes. I was ready for the blues. It was just a weird moment. Jesus came down. Stood beside me, told me everything I was going to do. It was amazing. Gave me the 12-step program to become what he called me to become. We want to be able to tell the story. 
But there's no glamour in causes. There's no glamour in it. Listen, that's what we think. You see, David, when he's on that, on that, on that field that day, and he's looking down at Goliath, he's already been a cause taker. This is life. This is David's life. David has already been a cause taker. He takes up causes. That's what he does. He sees a need. David feels a need. He doesn't need oil. He doesn't need position. When David sees something wrong, he fixes it. Because he responds to the cause and not the call. And so when he's standing in front of Saul and he's saying, I'm, I want to take up this cause because I'm, I'm the guy who takes up the causes. I fix the things that are wrong. That's what I do. Saul says, you can't do this. And so David has to reveal what he's never revealed before. And secretly he says, when I was watching my dad shoot, a lion came. I always talk about this because I'm not here for the post on the gram. I ain't told nobody. But I grabbed the lion and I killed him with my hands. He ain't told nobody. Because David's not responding to the call. He's responding to the cause. David's like, I was killing lions before I got oil. David, David said, I saw a need, I feel the need. I didn't need position. I didn't need to be first in line when Samuel came. I didn't, I didn't need nobody to tell me that, that I was going to be this. I just knew that that lion coming in among the sheep wasn't going to fly with dad. So I feel the need. And that ain't all because a bear came too. I snatched him up by his beard and smote him. Mm. He ain't told nobody this. You know how I know he ain't told nobody this? Because Eliab talked to him the way he talked to him. I got a little brother. And if I knew my little brother was out there snatching up lions and bears with his hands, I would talk to him a whole different kind of way. I wouldn't be like, yo, cuz, go home. I'd be like, man, whatever you want to do. You know, however you feel. So David, has, David hasn't told anybody about the lion and the bear because David is just a person who feels the need. He responds to the cause. There's a cause. If I don't kill the lion now, he'll take more sheep. If I don't kill the bear now, he'll take more of my father's sheep. And I've been given the duty to take care of my father's sheep. And so this is the cause that I'm feeling that right now. And David says, I've been taking care of causes before there was ever a video camera on me. And the same God that saved me from the lion and the same God that gave me victory over the bear is the same God that's going to help me destroy this giant. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm telling you that when you are a cause person, when you feel the cause and you're not worried about nobody knowing your name and you're not worried about no office and you're not worried about nobody having the video camera, God said, what you do in private, I'll make it public. Stay with me, stay with me. 
Problem is, mean you can't do nothing in private. One of the greatest detriments, one of the greatest detriments of our culture is that it has taken away our ability to do anything privately. It's taken away our desire to do anything privately. Everything we do, we put on display. We can't even eat breakfast without telling everybody what we ate. We can't have a girlfriend for two seconds without everybody seeing it on the ground. And I'm not talking about, hey, this is my friend and we got space between us. I mean, we all wrapped up. I love you forever. You're the love of my life. I never met nobody like you. I can't imagine my life without you. And then two months later, you got to delete a bunch of pictures and explain a bunch of stuff to your friends. Because this society has taken away our ability to do anything in private. This is what Jesus told them. Jesus said, listen, when it comes to the spiritual things of God, let's say the spiritual things of God, let's say fasting. When you fast, comb your hair. Wash your face. Don't let nobody know you're doing it. As a matter of fact, give it. When you give, make sure that your right hand don't see what the left hand's doing. When you come in, don't throw your stuff in the bucket and make it jangle. Put it down nice and easy. Matter of fact, look around. Make sure nobody's watching. I don't want nobody to know how much I'm giving today. Because I do this as unto the Lord. He said, what about praying? He said, when you pray, go into your closet. Close the door. Stop praying for everybody's entertainment. Stop making up a preaching voice while you're praying. God's not, God's not entertained by that. Is that how you talk in real life? Do you have one friend? Do you have one friend that you talk to like this? Hey, man, uh, good to see you today. How you been? What did you do today? Name one friend you talk to like that. Why do you talk to God like that? That's culture. That's not Bible. Jesus said, when you, when you talk to me, go into your closet. Close the door behind you. And your father, who you're talking to in secret, he'll reward you openly. And that's what David understood. David understood that when it comes to the cause, those things are normally just private. But the Lord said, if I can trust you with a lion and a bear, I'll trust you with a giant. If I can trust you alone when nobody's watching and the cameras ain't rolling, then I'll trust you in front of everybody. Because the same spirit that kept you humble when nobody knew is the same spirit that's going to keep you humble when they're singing, Saul has killed his thousands. And David has killed his tens of thousands. You know what God needed to know? God needed to know, David, if I can trust you with the lion and the bear, I can trust you with the song of the maidens. God didn't need to trust him with Goliath. He needed to trust him with the song of the maidens. What will you do, David, when they sing songs about you? How will you treat Saul when you know that everybody likes you more than they like him? See, what God's looking for is for young people in this generation that'll learn how to do some things in private. God's looking for some young people 
who, who don't need all the fanfare, who, who don't need God coming down, robed in flesh, standing in your doorway, looking you in the eye, telling you exactly what to do. Well, what God needs you to do for just a moment is take your whole focus off of the call for a little bit. David was never focused on the call. David was always focused on the cause. If you don't have nothing to do in church, let me tell you why. Because you're not looking at the causes. If you feel disconnected in your church, let me tell you why. It's because you're not paying attention to the cause. If you feel like leaving because you ain't being fed, let me tell you why. You're not paying attention to the cause. You're looking at the call. You want to, somebody to know your position. You're trying to do something so somebody can see it. But if you're paying attention to the cause, there's people to pray for. There's people to connect with. There's Bible studies to be taught. There's Sunday schools that need to be taught. There's nursery workers that need to be. There's cars that need to be parked. There's doors that need to be opened. There's carpet that needs to be vacuumed. Ain't nobody want to talk about that tonight. No, I thought you were talking about preachers. Oh, yeah, there's a preacher among us. But I guarantee you, I've never heard a good preacher that couldn't vacuum good. I can, I can hear you preach and be like, that boy never vacuumed. Not a day in his life. I can, I can hear it on his, in his voice. I can hear it. That man ain't never done no labor. Because what God is looking for is people that will fill the gap. People that will fill the gap and, and not stand in the shadows until they can fill a role. When I look across this generation, I know this is a youth service tonight. Youth pastor, I hope I'm doing okay. Pastors, I hope I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm looking at a bunch of young people. There's enough young people in this room alone to change the entire state of Georgia. Right here, in this room, right now. We don't, we, we don't need a whole big crowd of folks. No, we don't need that. What we need is a few people that will say, you know what, I'm just looking for a cause. And, and, and just to find that one young person who ain't really plugged in. And just go and, and grab them and say, hey man. You're, you're my cause now. I'm showing up to church now to find you. I'm showing up to church to make sure you at church because you're my cause now. My God. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this ministry as a cause. This ministry is my cause. This is why I'm coming. This is the reason why I'm here. And we got a bunch of people like Eliab in the church who want to grab people who, who just show up on time and leave late and say, oh, you're just here to see things. You're just here. What, what Eliab told David, you're not here to really fight. You're just here to see what's going on. God, help us destroy the spirit of Eliab in the church. And, and give us the spirit that'll say, you know what? Yeah, you, you know what? You, you, know, you, you really don't fit the criteria. You ain't even really old enough to be here. But you know what, man? Whatever you feel the Lord's leading you to do, do it. Wonder what I wonder what that whole story would have looked like differently if Eli would have said, you know what, David? I believe in you. You're my younger brother. And I trust what I trust that what you're feeling in the Holy Ghost is right. Go ahead, David. Show us. Show us what. You say, well, but nothing happened to Eli. Exactly. We will never see his name again. Wow. I don't want to be the next Eli. Disappears from the scripture. 
And when David needed mighty men, he was nowhere to be found. My God, wow. And when David needed to build an army, he was nowhere to be found. And when David needed trusted leadership, where was Eliab? Where was he? Eliab was nowhere to be found. Because Eliab couldn't tell the difference between someone who was called and someone who had a cause. There's some young people in this room right now, and I'm about to open this altar in just a second. The musicians are coming, the singers are coming, we're going to sing, we're going to pray. But here's what I'm reaching for today. I'm reaching for some young people that you feel something inside you. You know that God has something for you to do. It's not a secret to you. You've prayed about it, you've felt it. But you've been kind of standing back from it a little bit because you've been waiting for a sensationalized moment that the church, I'm sorry, I apologize, that somehow the church taught you that you needed that you needed God to come down and touch you. You, you needed to hear the voice of the Lord. I, I apologize for that. The, you know, the church, we, 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 you know, sometimes when you think about the church, you have to realize that the church is still very young. We are. We're still learning and growing, and we're growing in the, in, in the Lord and growing in the Word. And so if you're a young person or, or you're a young adult or maybe even a young married couple and you feel like God's calling you to something, but you just don't really know what it is and, and, you, and you've been, and you've been uh, maybe misidentified yourself or maybe you've been miscommunicated to about what it is and tonight this message has sparked something inside of you because you're like you, you know what, I, you know what I, I don't need all that I'm just going to go do what I feel I'm just going to do what I feel like God has impressed upon me to do I see a, an open spot and that's a cause and I'm going to go feel that need and then I'll feel the next need. And then I'll feel the next need. And before you know it, you look around and go, wow, look what the Lord has done. And I never heard him say yes. But I kept working until I heard him say no. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, I don't think I can say one more thing. I really don't think I have another direction to go with this word tonight. But I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would impress upon some young people in this house that you're talking to them tonight. As every head bowed, as every eye closed, I'm going to open this altar. Is there a young man or a young lady standing in this room that would like to come down to this front and say, Lord, I'm going to surrender to the cause. I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard a yes. I haven't, I haven't heard a, a no. I haven't really heard your I can't stand and say today that I heard you speak. But God, I have felt you moving in me. I've seen an open door and, I, and, and I've just been waiting and I've been fearful, Lord, because I, I heard a preacher say that you had to do this or you, or you had to do that. Come on, I, come on, fill it up. I, I know there's more. I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Some of y'all about to leave this place and really do something for God. You don't even know the step you're taking tonight. Is one of the greatest steps that you'll ever take in your life. And it's not because I heard some thundering voice. It's not because I, God came down in a star and sat down in my living room. No, it's just because I felt that there was a need. And I said, you know what? Is there not a cause? Shouldn't I do this? Shouldn't I take on this ministry? Shouldn't I do this? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause today? Come on right now all over this room. We're about to sing. I want you to lift your voice. And I want you to say, Lord, baptize me with a cause. I've been praying for a calling, but God, show me the causes that are all around me. Woo, Holy Ghost. Hey, Arabo Sata.
Come on, I feel an open door. I feel an open door. I feel an open door in the Holy Ghost. There's an open door in the Spirit. Come on, pour yourself out to it. Come on, God's about to give you a release in the Holy Ghost. God's about to give somebody a release in the Spirit. <laughs> 